0: Hello and welcome to That One Idea, a podcast series chronicling early stage founder journeys brought to you by WeWork Labs. Through this podcast series, we hope to bring out founder moments and journeys that led them to starting up. We highlight the humans behind the founders as they blitz through the zero to one scale journey and transition their ideas into scale worthy businesses. In today's episode, we have Anjali Sosley of Waterbridge Ventures Chatting with Jaydeep Binavale and Abhishek Doshi of Downtown Club. Downtown Club is an e commerce platform for discovery of D2C brands. The Downtown app enables users to browse new brands and products every day through a personalized virtual shopping experience. Good morning, Abhishek and Jaydeep. It's so awesome to finally see you in blood and flesh after a full year of Zoom calls. Welcome to Bangalore and welcome to that one idea.
1: Thank you so much, Anjali. Likewise, uh... Great weather today at Bangalore, and finally, so, so great to meet you after a long time.
2: Thank you. Although the traffic was a bit harrowing, but anything to be here.
0: Great. Excited to start this conversation about how the two of you got together and founded Downtown Club. But before that, I'd like to like rewind all the way to where you were born and raised, Jaydeep. So
2: I was born and raised in a town called Gandhinagar, which is the capital of Gujarat. So it's uh, literally 25 kilometers from Ahmedabad. So I was born and brought up there, did my schooling and everything there, and then went to SEPT for my undergrad. So I was inclined towards uh, science and engineering and stuff. But like after t- uh, the 10th grade, I, I I decided to go for IIT and stuff like that. But like within the first month, I was like, this is not me. I mean, this is not not going to happen for me. And I was pretty dejected and stuff. But then I kept on going through it. But a part of me always wanted to create something and uh, there was a creative bug that was always there. And uh, doodling and drawing and creating and drafting ideas was something that I used to do. And that's where I went in for like a design course that I was exploring and that's where SEPT happened.
0: Any powerful childhood influences that had an impact on you?
2: I am a huge movie buff, right? So... For me, uh, the whole creative process of people coming together and literally, like, so as you know, movies are made by people from different backgrounds. They come together for a few months, make something amazing, which lasts for eternity, and that's something even people who don't know each other would come and work together and influence a whole culture for eternity. Is something that that really inspired me, right? So that's where like I wanted to do something creative. No matter what. So whether it's movies or whether it's building websites or building apps or building furniture, anything creative would would satisfy me. So that's where I discovered that there's something creative that I'd want to do in my life.
0: Do you have any particular cinematic experience that uh, you recall?
2: So first uh, cinematic experience that I remember is watching Titanic when I was like three years old. I mean, that first experience of that visual on a big screen was always there. And I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. So the second, the first movie that I wanted, like I literally dragged my father to the theaters was that. And again, that's where I'm still pretty excited about watching the new movie that came out.
0: Abhishek, would love for you to raise us through your childhood, where were you born and raised?
1: Yes, so I was born in a very traditional Gujarati joint family and I was born in Bombay. The family decided to move to Ahmedabad over a period of time. Technically, all of my upbringing has happened in Ahmedabad, Gujarat and uh, raised in a family of 24 and post 10th, I went to Kota for my IITJ's, uh, uh, you know, kind of entrance exam and uh, one thing led to the other, and then I found myself in the same class as Jaideep, even if there is a four years of difference between both of us, and that's a longer story to, you know, kind of...
0: But before you met Jaideep, since you mentioned Kota, I have to ask you about the Kota factory, and you spent or close to three years there. Three years, yeah. But take us through, did you want to go there on your own accord or was this the classic Indian parent pushing you to go to?
1: Oh, it was the other way around. Actually, the parents were coaxing me not to go. And I was the one that uh, initially, patiently made uh, get, got them to agree to let me go. And the last the drop year that I did, uh, fought to, you know, kind of go there. But uh, yes, yeah, so went all on my own accord there. And the first experience there was to, you know, kind of get down at the train station because there, there's no flights there and got down at the train station and the kind of big billboards that we saw for a political campaign uh, that was the kind of sizes of billboards that were there for each and every classes that, so, that is okay. there in Kota.
2: Was it the faculties who were uh, being projected or the, the students or the superstars of uh, that year? Both.
1: So it's it's like the faculty and the uh, students uh, Yeah, you know, it's like PMCM, both of them have to be there. <laughs> something like that. Fascinating fact, in terms of quota, there's in terms of per capita, it has, I think, most number of classes in India. And every class, it's a interesting observation, every class is accompanied by a, a cyber cafe for these students. And probably a mess. Then a mess, and then a PG. So that's the kind of block like a, that keeps repeating itself. A module heavily. or a package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah so Kota was nice it was it was what I always wanted to do.
0: And you have the distinction of refusing an IIT admit <laughs> and then it doesn't stop there then you wrote your SATs. Yes. You went to Purdue for a year and then you chose to drop out. I know that gave a lot of stress at home but tell us about why would you do this you know two times over?
1: I think what led to downtown was one trait that I can you know kind of find myself repeating over the time that I sat for my first IIT and So even in my first attempt, IIT was the only application form that I wrote and which my parents were very against it, but they always have backups and you need backups and things in that. So IIT was the only form that I wrote for the first time. The second time also, it was the only form that I wrote. And then that uh, didn't happen. And I decided to, you know, kind of go to Purdue and uh, try my luck there. So... Uh, I sat for the SATs, and Purdue was the only university that I applied to. Sept was the only university that I applied to, and somehow it's it feels a little unintuitive to have backups and work on backups. You know? uh, it's, if it's, you have a plan, A, just go all out on it, and that's.
2: It's literally opposite of what happened with me. I applied <laughs> uh, to a hell lot of places, and I literally got only through Sept and. Either it was SEPT or it was a drop year for me. So if uh, I would have dropped out, this wouldn't have happened.
0: (laughs) And you take us to the conversation at home, the summer you came back after your first year in Purdue and you decided not to go back.
1: Getting raised in a Gujarati business family, it's it's the thing that you always wanted to do, right? Um, You always wanted to build something of your own and somehow because of all the notions that we have we think that degree is important to get there to get to the destination and first year i took a drop came here and started building something and just that notion broke right you don't need a degree to you know kind of uh, work something on your own and that's where uh, that thing came in where we said that okay uh, let's build the startup and that admission is there even if i want to you know kind of resume after a six, eight, ten, twelve months stint. I can always resume there and start from where I left off. So there was not a lot of downside in doing it and the upsides were unlimited if the startup did well so that's where it was a little bit emotional decision and a little bit emotional conversation to have with the family but uh, I think uh, one of the great things about uh, at least my family is that over a period of time they always kind of Come back full circle, and always have been supporting me to whatever I've always wanted to do.
0: Great, and then the first startup bug bit you, and you decided to uh, hustle around and you know build something on your own. But take us through those months when you tried to build and try to think of an idea. When your dad sat you down and said, "Enough of this. Please get back to college and get a degree."
1: The reason why we hustled was we wanted to hire interns to develop because. Me and my earlier co-founder, both of us are also not computer engineers. He was a mechanical engineer. I was a design student per se, but that was in the future. So we realized that for building a tech startup, we'll actually need somebody who's a tech tech co-founder, right? And for that, we needed money. So what we did was in that winter, three, four months, there were 13 business plan competitions that were coming across different universities. And we applied to all of them. One, eight of them, uh, two, two and a half lakh rupees together, and went ahead and emailed the dean at DAICT saying that uh, we are a company and we want to hire interns from your <laughs> university and by nature we are good designers so the kind of websites and everything that was there was gave a good perception about the company and i think they didn't do a, a lot of uh, thorough back checks and they said that please we will be our honor to have you on our university to you know kind of hire interns and that's where we started hiring without knowing what was what. Uh, we were hiring people who were two years elder to us, uh, who were actually graduates because none of us was graduate at that point of time, and that's where we found the third in, uh, co-founder that joined us. And at that point, my father kind of told us that okay, now the things are getting more serious where you're getting co-founders and you're getting giving them salaries and now either you get a degree and work on this, or you just get a degree, but just working on this is not an option. And that's where I started scouring for all the good colleges in Ahmedabad, which one would have me and Sept was one of them, and I just decided uh, to apply uh, whichever course was there, because I've always believed that when it comes to making a long term impact on your life, ecosystems matter, right? Uh, this degree does not matter uh, what kind of course are you getting graduated from does not matter. What matters is what kind of ecosystem are you getting in and who are those people who are going to live the next five years of your life with. And frankly, that was one of the best decisions that I made. And that's what led me here.
0: And SEPT is, of course, one of Asia's most acclaimed design schools. And so day one in undergrad, you're four years older than your class. Uh, We'll come to how you met Jaydeep, but uh, take us through how that experience felt and how the first few months were like so
1: jaydeep is a movie buff i'm a i'm completely a cinephile and although on a darker end uh, i like dark humor a little bit but uh, one of the movies was Mehuna, and literally i was dreading myself to be that charu khan who is going and getting uh, admitted into a class that was so so young compared to him and my first day the orientation and everything happened and i was keeping it under the covers that i was 22 of typically the age that people graduate at I was just getting in and there was there was this guy that came to me and started chatting and he we was like uh, which degree I was like planning and I was like okay first day I was like yeah yeah so he said that he was also in the same class as me I was like cool and then one thing led to the other and I realized that he's also 22 and the next five encounters, all of them were 21, 22. I was like, what is this happening? Are everybody dropouts like me? Or, or what is happening? And I realized if, When it comes to SEPT, it is a norm that there are people who are two, three years, uh, either younger to you or elder to you, and they're sharing the class. And that's what makes that ecosystem far more richer and far more engaging. And I met Jaydeep in the first month itself because he was one of those nerd geeks and was trying to you know kind of tackle a couple of things with good understanding about what makes a good idea great and that's where we started working together in almost a decade now that we always work together so for me it was literally love at first sight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no I was I'm I'm kidding. But uh,
2: they do say uh,
0: that <laughs> you know finding a founder <laughs> is is like finding a work spouse right yeah, the amount yeah, of time yeah. that both of you will spend together. But Jadid give us your side of the story at Sept. how did you meet um, Abhishek and what were your first few conversations like?
2: As far as I remember so we had sort of like an orientation kind of a program so for, for the first week people who are across the courses come together and do some activities and stuff like that. And we had some kind of a tug-of-war competition and stuff like that happening. And we were a part of the same team. And then we hung out together for that while. And then uh, my roommate was a friend of Abhishek. And they used to hang out a lot. And I was a very... Uh, so I was eight, 17, I guess, when I joined college. And uh, I, I I wouldn't hang out a lot. And I would like literally go home at 5 or 6 and just do my work from home and stuff like that. And completely opposite to him, where uh, he would literally be at college at, like 24-7. Like Our college is, is one of the few places which is open 24-7. And then I got introduced to him. And then uh, a lot of courses that we have are called studios. So where you are given a space that you have to work on. You have to study, you have to design and pitch around ideas and stuff like that. And I really admired uh, the kind of work that these guys were putting out. And I was a completely different social group back then. And it was a healthy competition that was happening between both of us. And we used to admire uh, a lot of each other's work. And uh, that's where I felt that he's someone I can learn a lot from. And that's where I started following a lot of his work and stuff. And then we decided to let's do something creative together as friends. And did a few uh, crazy, crazy
1: things.
0: things yes. And Jagip, yeah. you went on to take like a proper middle of fairway corporate job with Godridge um, after graduation. And interestingly, you came back together to found Downtown many years later. Yeah. Graduating and given that Abhishek um, started up while in college, what made you take like a corporate job after graduating?
2: Ah, uh, so I mean, there is a there is a, a huge chunk of story which is there in between. So before that, what we were doing was, we were working on... uh, So similarly, uh, what he had done with ClientJoy before, we were also thinking of an idea which could solve a lot of problems for urban planners and uh, governments and stuff like that, where uh, we could use computer vision to map out traffic and count vehicles and stuff like that. So there's a process when people design roads and uh, transportation systems where they have to do a lot of uh, traffic counting and stuff like that and we wanted to automate that and this was before even Google Maps was providing traffic insights so it was then right so we wanted to do that and provide that as a service to either Google or even or any anybody who's ready to pay for such an insight and stuff like that so that's where we also applied to a lot of business plan competitions, won a few. And again, the same story happened uh, where we were hiring people who were older than us. And uh, that's where also I got a taste of how starting up feels like. And once you are there, I mean, that high is, I mean, you cannot match it with anything. And that's where I was like, I want to do it again. Uh, let's see. And then... There was also a point of time we were doing graffiti and uh, placemaking stuff, right? <laughs> that story is also something that, so we were, uh, we got together like 30, 40, 30, 35 people f- from across the town, across the college. And we decided that let's create beautiful spaces in the city where something cultural could happen. And we also worked on that for quite a while and that's where we learned how to manage and work with a lot of different people, different backgrounds, different age groups, and stuff like that. And that's uh, that was the story till then. And then my parents had a day job, right? So they also wanted to me to do something which was very formal. So they were like, okay, you have tried something, but you should also go for like a master's degree and stuff like that. And I wanted to go to the US to study you know something which is at the intersection of design and technology and for that i was uh, i met uh, one of the faculties who were there in, in my college who was an mit grad and he started a fabrication lab in in the college and that's where a lot of creative people from the city would come and hang out and and i used to literally bunk classes to be there and spend time like if I would not like a professor or if I'd not like a class, I would just bunk it and be there and do some stuff. So a lot of prototypes we built there, a lot of circuits and a lot of uh, fabrication that we did. And he he saw something that, okay, if you want to go to a place like that, you should work for a while and build your portfolio up and then probably you can go to the US and get a nice degree and stuff like that. And that's where he also joined gothrich. And he literally plucked me out of the college uh, there. And before even I was graduated, I was working there. So in the last semester of college, uh, I used to live in Bombay, uh, take a flight on Saturday. Monday, I used to attend a class and take a flight out to Bombay uh, Bombay back. And that I did for like six months. And then uh, for two years, I was there in Bombay.
0: And Abhishek, I think, you always had like clarity that you're going to be starting up on your own and no corporate job out of graduation for you. Tell us about how you came up with joy
1: For at least us and I think a lot of startups, what mm-hmm. typically happens is you find a market which is growing. You find a problem statement which is there and the jump happens. And then you let the consumers kind of guide you what exactly are you trying to solve? Right? You I I don't think I have never had the clarity of getting to the solution and then starting up, right? This is the solution, let's start up. And that was the solution which remained that solution. Uh markets kind of, or the consumers kind of guide you through what a typical solid solution is going to be. When we started up with ClientJoy, um, we started with the problem statement that emails don't work. A lot of work or a lot of threads kind of miss out because of emails and emails are not working there needs to be some other solution what is that solution we don't know but emails typically are not working and this was pre-slack and I keep on repeating that because a lot of people think that uh, we were post-slack This was pre-slack and we said that emails are not working and uh, that's where we started building griddle uh, which was initially we we called ClientJoy griddle at that point of time which was basically a software which allowed people to communicate internally within Teams, made sure that people are able to track priorities, able to you know kind of uh, understand what is important to them. And we started with one problem statement, which was how can people give tasks to each other in a simpler way and be reminded of the fact that these are the things that are complete and these are the things that are pending. And... One of the quickest way to validate whether your idea makes sense or not is actually to talk to investors, right? The moment they start taking interest, that means that that market is relevant to them. And even if you're not looking out to fund or uh, raising funds, uh, if that investor is interested in you, that means that market is interesting for you to be in. Uh, So we started talking to a couple of investors, one of them being CIE at IAM, which is uh, IAM's investment arm. And they started getting interested and And they had a program called iAccelerator where they took 10 companies across India and got them in the same room for three months in a very fast-paced cohort kind of a way. And we applied there and somehow got accepted. uh, Started building little from there. One thing led to the other. And we started pivoting from solving communication issues in, in internal teams to solving general document workflows in internal team and then uh, really specified it to just handling client lifecycle management for agencies between 20 to 30 employees.
0: Great. And tell us about when you and Jaydeep actually, you know, came back together. I know that Jaydeep you went on from Godridge and then you went to IMA, finished your MBA. And when was the day you both decided that it's time for you to actually come together and start up now?
2: Yes yeah, so uh when i was in bombay i was so i stayed there for 2 years and really amazing space of like really creative people doing some great work and stuff like that but still being a part of a large company, there are a lot of checks and balances that are there, which are which are great to have at that scale. But uh, when uh, you're used to working in a startup environment, you are used to like quick decision making and you're used to like being in touch with like two or three people and you just literally decide what to do. And I was feeling that things were not moving as fast as I wanted them to be and uh, Then uh, I was speaking to him like we used to hang out whenever I would come to Ahmedabad and then he pitched me an idea that we could come together and, you know, explore something and if you come here and uh, help me out with some stuff, something great would definitely come out of that. And that's where I was like, okay, I mean, I always wanted to do this. Why not now? This is the best time to do it, right? Because uh, age-wise, I was around 25 and being from 22 to 27 is like the best age to, you know, try a l- lot of different stuff. And literally, I've done that, right? Not followed a specific path and just wandered around and s- tried different things. And so that's where we came together and just brainstormed, like hard brainstorming.
0: like after spending your early 20s being an outlier and evading, if I may, the formal education system, you actually decided to... You know, just follow the playbook and you went to ISB.
1: So actually, that was also not in the playbook. Uh, why I went there was, post-client joy, I was literally not getting the clarity of where to go. And literally, when I went to ISB, in one of the data analytics class, there was this. there was this statement that was said that, which loosely kind of resembles to the fact that whatever data that uh, that has been there on earth in the last two, three millennia is something that Google will aggregate in this year or something, loosely something similar where there were comparisons between the data aggregation that happened 2000 years and data aggregation that is going to happen in this year. And that's where I found my market that I want to be somewhere in data. And then that's the exact day that I texted him saying that, I don't know what we're trying to do, but There is a huge disproportionate advantage that a bigger company gets by using data than a smaller company. And it would be great for us to do something in that area. Let's figure out what can actually we do. But there is a disproportionate advantage that is there, which means that if we solve the other side, that means that a lot of opportunity would be there for us. I think... (laughs) To get a good idea, you need to be bored. When you are actually bored, uh, that's where that idea starts kind of coming in. And ISB was a way to get that downtime and just to understand what is what, how do people think, what the thought processes are typically, and that's what I think worked fantastically well for us.
2: Yeah, so when we started with that idea of data as a disproportionate advantage for for bigger companies and how can we solve that for you know smaller uh, players in the ecosystem... We uh, went with an idea which was uh, more or less on the lines of data analytics or machine learning as a service. So like software as a service, something similar as that. And we like literally call a lot of different people from different verticals. So from real estate vertical to restaurant vertical to education and a lot of different places. We just explored like what are the problems that these guys are facing and how can data solve it? And are they already sitting on some kind of a huge amount of data that we can, you know, utilize to solve that problem or even identify problems, right? And that's where restaurants felt like a good mix of both, like a huge amount of data and a lot of problems to be solved.
1: Yeah, so uh, restaurants has this typical ladder, right? So there are top 10% which are chains, which know their data, which know understand their data. The rest 90% have absolutely no clue uh, what is happening. What matters to them is whether the restaurant is showing up in the first page of Zomato or Swiggy or not. And that's what kind of pushed us that there is something there. But uh, because of X, Y, Z reasons, including COVID, we decided to kind of pivot from there.
0: And these are difficult decisions. So you've just graduated from ISB. You gave Jaideep a call and said, you know, let's finally get started. Let's do something together. You think of a analytics solution for restaurants that are not the larger change, but the smaller, the smaller ones. And then COVID hits, and it's the national lockdown, of course. But take us through those moments and those discussions that the two of you had when you when you actually had to decide to like either call the idea off, pivot, and what like how long did it take for you to realize that this restaurant based analytics product is not going to work.
2: So when the lockdown happened we were just trying to understand what's happening around so we were like uh, literally hit by a roadblock and we weren't we were just trying to understand what what's happening and we just uh tried to stay afloat for a while and so we were we were sure that we are not going to uh, quit right so we were like we'll just uh see what what's what and uh we'll we'll just figure something out because we have been there around with each other and uh, we've known that if we put our heads to something we'll find a way out of it so literally that was that and that's when some brainstorming again happened and talking to customers and and keeping an eye on what's uh happening outside and stuff like that
1: yeah so from my pov the case was where we said that okay january we launched the idea was that we had a limited amount of funds to kind of market and you know kind of get restaurants on board and we were doing it fantastically well till february march even and the idea was okay we've we've validated a lot of things we've uh, we've validated a lot of assumptions the metrics are right the cac is good people are coming in paying and every, the whole flow is happening right in front of our eyes completely digitally so we now things are set. Now the only thing is we have to push the pedal. So three months we've launched. Everything is nice. And we, we thought that, okay, now we go with this data to raise the round of fund, and then growth stage. And fortunately, I decided to get married in that same year. So the, in my mind, the view was something. Three months, then we raise a big round of fund. I get married and everything is golden. Growth stage going up and running. And, and COVID hit. The first knee-jerk reaction for me was this is going to be better for us because that means everything is going to be digital. Everything is going to be delivery-based. And if we're able to get a solution around the digital area, then this it is just going to accelerate adoption for us. But uh, one story led to the other and unfortunately the consumer behavior flipped uh, all of those people who thought they wanted to go away from zomato and swiggy now were completely dependent on zomato and swiggy and that's where we decided or internally we both of us knew that we had to pivot uh, nobody was telling each other that okay boss we have to pivot uh, but we knew both of us knew that we have to pivot we just was searching for substance to kind of go in front and tell to the other person that this is the solution i found the solution let's let's do that correct so those August, September, October went like that where we both of us knew that we had to pivot, we had to do something, but we're just searching what exactly can be that, uh, which is interesting enough and which can help us. And that's where uh, three things happened for us. One was that customer called us saying that they are a, a couple of restaurants in, in Ahmedabad and they called us and they said that my sister has a D2C brand, uh, can you help her? That, that was one thing that happened. Second thing that happened was a lot of our social peers kind of were talking about these brands that we never heard of. And we were like, what is happening? Why are these people talking about such brands? Are they really cheap and getting on a discount? And they said that no, a dress is almost twice X of what you can get in Zara or H&M. And the question was, then why are people buying from such brands? If nobody's heard for it and it is expensive, then what are these people getting it? And that was another pointer that, kind of led us to at least discover what is out there. And the third thing that happened was we discovered Shopify. Because we were in a very different sector, we didn't know what Shopify was exactly. And we discovered Shopify and we realized Shopify is growing 100% year on year in developed economies and even in India. And that was a big data point for us to at least give it a try and give it a shot. And that's what I collated all of these three points and wrote him a message on Slack saying the initial idea was let's build in shots for independent brands that was what we initially called then we kind of refined it over a period of time and now it It is a discovery driven marketplace for D2C brands or independent brands in India but I literally messaged him and he said sounds like a good idea let's build Uh, and that the whole conversation was literally 35 seconds where I messaged and he messaged. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. Let's build it, and that's that was what it was.
2: And somewhere the idea was brewing in me for for a quite a long while actually. That why can't we do something which helps the the smaller independent designers and uh, entrepreneurs to do something uh, well? And that was there from from college days itself, because we were from a design college. A lot of our peers and our uh, seniors were doing this. Uh, building their brands, launching uh, stuff, be it in fashion or be it in furniture, home decor, or being like professionals uh, doing stuff. So once when he messaged, I was like, yeah, I mean, this definitely makes sense. And this is a space I'm definitely excited about. Now, the question was, how do we do it with the skill set that we have? Right? Because me being a professional because i've been i'd been there for like three or four years i was more of a person who who would uh working more on technologies which were very traditional in terms of like an app or a a backend and stuff like that and then we went into the data analytics thing which was for restaurants so that's where i started learning about analytics and how statistics math and everything works and that's that im course happened somewhere in the middle of that and that's where I had learned a lot of techniques which would, you know, scale from structured data to unstructured stuff like designs, images, text. And now it made sense that, okay, this space has a lot of that and a very few people know how to work with that. And that's where I was like, okay, this is something that is a mode that we can build around. And this definitely makes sense that we should do something like that, like downtown.
0: Why the name Downtown. How did you come up with the name Downtown Club?
1: So it was called Wendwagon initially. We wanted to, to launch and approach a couple of investors and uh, we were not getting a name. And we said that, okay, two days is something that we have. Either we call it Indie Sprout or we call it Wendwagon. That was what we kind to put in all of our brains together that two two names were what we got to. We called it Wendwagon launched, did everything. And there was a phase where for two weeks none of the investor kind of replied back to me, and uh, I was, what is happening? I don't know. And one of the investor from US, uh, we were just emailing everybody at that point. So for downtown, my number tallied at 78 uh, finally. For listen, I lost track after a point of time. But yeah, so for downtown, around, around when we were at 52, 53, I was I was literally tired of telling everybody the same story again and again and again and again and i started emailing everybody cold emails uh, and everybody doesn't matter if you're an india-based or a us-based investor everybody and one replied back to me saying one windwagon is a b2b name to check out an app called midtown which is uh doing something in fashion and is us-based and is our portfolio company i was like okay uh and while that name rang midtown i was like who would Call their app Midtown. If you have a choice, you would want to call your app Downtown, right? That's what is exclusive. That's what is classy. That's what is fashionable. Why the Midtown? And I was like, okay, then Downtown. If nobody's calling it Downtown, let's call it Downtown. And I messaged him, downtown.club, what does it? sound like uh, are you on board and he was like I, I love the name and that's where we started branding ourselves at downtown.club because it sold one the consumer angle of it because yes it was a B2B name to be frank and it, it gave a lot of perspective and perception around the positioning of the brand where downtown is trying to get to and that was what uh, made us to change the name but yeah that's what we are now downtown.club
2: and why it rang with me was because of my background or our background in, in our urban planning where we have studied a lot of s- cities and markets and stuff like that and how markets form, how markets work. And since it was going to be like a marketplace, it definitely made sense to na- uh, name it downtown. And there was definitely an emotional connection from from my side to, to this name.
0: Yeah. And you've obviously spoken to a lot of brands who gave you feedback about You know, the lack of a discovery platform for especially emerging uh, D2C upstarts, right? But how do you really take it from downtown club being being an idea in your heads, or even in your case, uh, a pivot out of a listen, into becoming like a full-fledged business idea now, like getting down to the basics of business? What were the first few weeks like? after you decided downtown it is?
1: Okay, so in terms of thought process, the thought process in my mind, first we need to validate if it is technically feasible or not. Technologically, does it happen the way that we are trying to think around it? Whether we are getting the data, whether automation is happening there in terms of aggregation of data, and we are able to at least theoretically build a place where people would want to come and discover new brands and new shops. So that was one. Second was just checking out if there are as many brands and stores to kind of discover after everything's had and done. If the number is only 200, then after a point, the limit is going to come where everybody knows every. So second was to validate if there are enough brands out there, which are the kind of brands that we want to target, right? And third, if the market is big enough, if... because such a kind of idea and a solution only works with capital. Uh, and we, we, for this business, particularly, we will have to raise capital and lots of it. And if what are investors kind of thinking around it? So the first thing that I did was changed my LinkedIn status to a stealth mode founder. right? And that works amazingly well because it seems like all of the analysts of these VCs are looking out for stealth mode startups, right? Uh, stealth mode founders. Uh, and that's what I did. And I started getting inbound interest from a lot of uh, such uh, VC firms. And then we wrote a blurb saying, this is the thesis. If the thesis is kind of relevant to you, then let's get on a chat. Uh, We just don't want to get on a cold chat just to talk about it, because then that input point is lost whether they're coming on a chat because they find value in the idea or just because it was a cold uh, catch up call. And we wrote a thesis around this is what we are trying to build because of these, these these reasons. And that's what we kind of tallied. Out of 10 blurbs that we sent, how many are saying that, okay, let's chat because the thesis is interesting. And we started having good numbers around it. Eight out of 10 people were saying that, okay, let's at least chat. Post that call, it went to your, your really early stage, the typical template reply that has. So one thing was clear at that point of time that market is there because of which these people are interested the thesis sounds interesting now we are early stage and what do we need to solve for for that answer and then we went on iterative loops around what responses we were getting and whether we want would want to solve for those responses or not and that's what made us talk to you
0: and i wish i know you spoke to over a hundred brands in the run-up to yes. your mvp and the first v1 of your app what were like the top and the most common problem statements that you are repeatedly hearing?
1: So one problem statement that 100% of the brands told us, uh, 100 brands out of 100 brands that we've talked to told us, was we are an independent brand for a reason, right? Uh, and the reason why we are a D2C independent brand is because our brand has a storyline around it. There is a reason why we exist. There is a reason why we believe we exist. We don't want to be downgraded to a simple SKU unit and be there on page eight or page nine. We need a marketplace which allows us to carry forward that storyline into their journey also, which does not just downsize us to an SKU unit which is hanging somewhere in the marketplace. So we realize that the reason why these people are building marketplaces or building amazing D2C brands, independent brands is because there is a positioning that they have in their minds about their brand to be in. And they have a similar position for a marketplace also to be there. And that was the gap that was there in, in the D2C marketplace ecosystem, which uh, we we are trying to fill in. The second most common uh, reply that we've gotten is how discovery is difficult for even an independent brand that is at scale at this point of time, because they have to compete with mainstream brands, mainstream consumer brands, like big, big consumer brands. So a typical the independent tea brand has to compete with Tata, right? In terms of everything, in terms of CAC, in terms of positioning, in terms of real estate, everything they have to compete, right? How these brands have to compete with the bigger brands in terms of having fighting for that discovery in marketplaces because you only have those 8 or 12 SKU uh, real estate to show, and you have to compete for those SKU real estate, and including and having those private labels in in place, it becomes increasingly difficult for a new or a scaled D2C independent brand to find discovery on marketplaces. And that's what we are trying to solve by saying that okay, we are only a marketplace for D2C independent brands. We are not for mainstream brands, and that is what we are trying to you know kind of focus on. And the third is around analytics. And that is an interesting aspect. In a marketplace, if I as a D2C brand am selling something, who owns that consumer? Or at least the know-how of that consumer. And that question has different responses. And we are trying to build a system where the data around that consumer is something that is held by the D2C founders and D2C brands, where they can make interesting decisions on the insights that they're getting. And that is, these three are the top most repeated uh, issues around the current uh, e-commerce landscape that we, we found while talking to D2C consumers and uh, D2C founders.
0: And I remember, Jaideep, when you first pitched to us, just being oh, very impressed by the sophistication of your MVP. Both of you have written every line of code of the app, and it has a very distinct consumer journey and a very, very distinct UI Take us to some of the backstory of, and I know both of you are design graduates, but how did you think about designing this to make it like a very distinct end user experience?
2: Right. So being a design student, we've always learned that design around what the user is already doing or around his natural behavior. So you cannot uh, drive a person to do something which is against his natural behavior. So first was, observing how this the target market is behaving around uh, shopping and being in the same age group same social group we were we knew how in general everybody acts on an e-commerce website or an app but we also wanted it to be more personalized So as a consumer myself, uh, when I open an uh, XYZ e-commerce app, there are a lot of things which are not relevant to me that I find that for which I have to go to either Instagram or other. Uh, I have to look for blogs and stuff like that where uh, it's it's my prerogative to find something that is relevant to me. But here the idea was we wanted it to be flipped around a bit, where the app or the or the uh, the product itself would come to you with, sir, this is what's good for you. And this is also like a natural behavior when you go to shops, right? A traditional shop. You select a few stuff. The shop owner shows you a few things and you select, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and that's where then the shop owner or the, the guy behind the desk pulls up another similar stuff and designs and so this is a behavior that we wanted to, you know, bring in a digital or a virtual space. And for me understanding how can that be done was a very key thing and something which can not only be a one trick pony but something which scales right so it should scale around 200 brands to 2000 2 lakh brands and from 20 customers to like 2 million 200 million customers also so it cannot be something which is manual it has to be automated it has to be scalable it has to be process driven So that's where it was important for me to to these were some ideas that were there and also being very digitally savvy a lot of uh, content driven apps like uh, be it movies on Netflix or be it uh, songs on Spotify or YouTube all of that works on like a typical onboarding flow right so you're shown like what genres you like what artists you like and what songs you like right. So I found that equivalent in why can't that be done in an e-commerce app, right? So that's where we thought of, like, trying a different things. So in Tinder, for example, you have that literally, like, swipe left, swipe right, like, literally cards you are putting on the left and cards putting on the right. It's very tactical kind of a natural behavior that you would do in, in choosing anything, right? So that's a behavior that's very uh, natural to anybody. So that's what, what, these were the few points that we took into account while designing the whole experience.
0: And any big changes that you made? I know you're only like six months into your journey as part of downtown, but ideas always iterate and any major changes basis, continuous brand feedback and now even user feedback.
2: So in the beginning, MVP was even a few months away. We started with a newsletter kind of a thing where, Manually, we would take feedback from users and build it around into a personalized newsletter. So even the newsletter was a personalized thing, which was new compared to a lot of what different newsletters are. So we figured that out. Then we figured out, okay, how can we do it in an app? So we first tried to do something around what InShorts was like. But that again, that behavior for a commerce app didn't feel right. An app which is delivering news or content which is where time is of essence, right? Here time is not of, uh, people are here to, you know, spend time and not save on time, right? So we had to build around where people can wander around. So that's where uh, we changed from like an in short kind of UI to to this current UI that
1: we have. The second big iteration came in focusing on the brands because till that point, we were a consumer-driven consumer tech company where we, we assumed that brands will kind of match up and catch up to us. And while talking to the brands and while talking to consumers, we realized that it is much more of a symbiotic relationship between consumer and brands and both of them are needed. And that's where the pivot or not the pivot, the change in roadmap happened where we kind of front loaded, uh, focusing on brands rather than that being in the later journey or later half of the journey.
0: And now as you look to build and scale and recruit your first few employees, uh, how are you thinking about company culture and what does company culture mean to
1: you so in my free time i like to read a lot and one of the books is the google story which kind of everybody has read and there's absolutely nothing new about it but there's a definition of a good team uh, that was written by eric schmidt right and he says that any number of people that you can have fun around if there is good music good food is a good term to have uh, there's absolutely no added uh, effort that goes in getting that team in one place. If there is good music playing and good uh, food and you are having fun, that is a good team to be around. In terms of culture, we as a team and we as founders are consciously by design slow hirers and uh, we want to hire slow. We don't want to hasten the process and make sure that or ensure that people who don't understand us and we don't understand them get into the same room and there is additional effort needed to get them on board, right? It's it's better to spend time right now while communicating with them as an outside stakeholder rather than communicating with them and making sure that they understand you while they've become an insider stakeholder to the company. Uh, so the current focus is getting the core team in place where these people not only understand what we're trying to build, but why we're trying to build it. Because if they understand the why and they're on board, of that goal that means that they are going to do the same things or similar things or even different things but at least in the same direction of understanding our consumers because everything ultimately boils down there the moment we stop understanding our consumer at that point of time i think we are building for somebody else that is not our consumer which is wrong at least at this at, at this stage of the company so that is one of the focus the other focus is to launch as soon as possible because what we've seen at least in the alpha beta versions is the moment people interact with our app there is a completely different perception to what we are trying to build Uh, when we tell them we are a marketplace for independent brands or d2c brands that is one perception that they have in their mind but the moment they have that product in their hand the whole perception changes and that is what we're trying to do to get there as quickly as possible
0: and Jadeep, what gives you sleepless nights today what what's top of your worry list with regard to the business
2: Top of the worry list currently w- would be actually launching as fast as possible. So I don't want to wait too long before before we launch. I don't want to be the person who would, you know, want to perfect it to the last T. And I, I just want to get out of the, I mean, I want to bring that car out of the garage as fast as possible. Because that's when I'll know what's, uh, what's working and what's not working. So first is launching and then definitely second is hiring so for me hiring as a process it's kind of similar to how we both are wired right so we both have a, literally a very complementary set of skills and mindsets uh, that we have so where he is good at i'm i'm not that good so when it comes to business or making plans in terms of uh, financials and marketing and stuff like that he's really good at Versus, I'm good at building tech and designing stuff and uh, managing uh, managing tech teams and stuff like that. That's where I where I'm good at. So finding people who are having those complementary set of skills is what I'm uh, looking for. And people who are kind of smarter than me, and I will be excited to learn from them, talk to them. And it should be, uh, talking to people shouldn't be an effort. It should be effortless. It should be something where uh, it's like hanging around with friends. You wouldn't want to uh, log off or go away from your friends, right? So if if the team is such, yeah, I mean, that's the best kind of a situation that you can have.
0: And Abhishek, take us through a day at downtown today. How does your day look like today? What are you solving for?
1: What we're trying to solve right now is to make sure that we build the product as soon as possible. That is the first and the only priority that is right now. As we ourselves are very slow hires, uh, that process uh, is going on and will go on for another three months. But at this point of time, all our effort, all our effort and energy is kind of into how how do we get to market as quickly as possible and in the most optimum way, right? So we don't want to make it perfect, but at the same point of time, we don't want it to have. Uh, gaping loopholes in terms of how the system is built, right? So, we want to be somewhere in the optimum range, and the whole point is to get a group of people together who can reach to that direct destination in the quickest way possible. A typical day at downtown today is 80% of the time goes in getting people on the same page, uh, getting them up to date in terms of what the other team is doing because there are. multiple teams working uh, on the same thing so majority of the time goes in making sure that everybody knows the same amount of information and everybody is on the same page Uh, hiring interviews and typical catch-up calls updates and that is how our ideal day is spaced out at this point of time
2: and that effort about communicating or bringing everyone, everyone to the same page is mainly because most of us are working remotely so there is very minimum amount of face time that we get with the people we are working with. So even me and Abhishek, so we don't see each other for like how many days, like 15-20 days at a stretch. But we are constantly in touch with each other and communicating and stuff like that. Same with my team as well. So a lot of team members I haven't even met in person as of now. and. I'd be really excited to meet them and have like a proper uh, sit down and have like a hangout session and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, that's that's where a lot of our time.
0: And Abhishek, in these six, eight months, you've literally been on a roller coaster of a zero to one journey, right from what was literally just an idea, pivot into an idea. But give our listeners a sense of your size and scale today
1: where downtown is right now, starting from literally just one-liner problem statement that we wanted to solve. Uh, Today, we've been able to aggregate almost 3,000 brands, almost 4.5 lakh SKUs that are sitting on Shopify storefronts uh, in India. And all of these brands are a particular set of brands which have amazing well-positioned products, amazing well-positioned ideas, storylines. So they are a sector of all the Shopify uh, brands that are there available in, in India. But these are the kind of brands that kind of relate and are relevant to our consumers. And that is what we are trying to always do justice to. At this point of time, we are just getting the app launched. And once we're there, we hope to see amazing traction from the consumer end also.
0: Jadeep, do you have a favorite storefront or a brand on downtown that you're already rooting for?
2: So I really like this brand called uh, Spin, which is a uh, home decor brand. And I like it because it's uh, it's very close to my aesthetic, like the kind of uh, stuff that I like. It's very minimalistic. It's very close to, I mean, it respects materials and respects form and stuff like that. And there are no frills around it that's the kind of a brand that I personally
1: favor. Uh, for me, there's a brand in MP. Uh, it's why it is my favorite brand. It is called Weaves. Uh, and it is simple fabric brand, which weaves some amazing silk and cotton and and the likes. It is started by underprivileged people, uh, people who don't have anything to do think around how to position, how to market, how to be digital in this age and sense. But if you look at that brand, it is amazingly well positioned with the storyline that it has, with the kind of content that it it is creating with the kind of people that are behind it. It, Even from a tier two, tier three city, like, uh, like from a state in MP, these brands are able to be relevant and resonate with a kind of target market that we are targeting. And the fact that they're able to do it sitting there is something that makes it a favorite for me.
2: Another brand that I really like is Goblet a lot. I mean, uh, I'm not the target market, but I mean, the kind of uh, variety that they bring to and the kind of attention to detail and stuff like that, that's something that I
1: also like a lot.
0: Great, and 2022 has just dawned upon us. What are you most looking forward to and excited about?
1: By 2022, this day, next year, we we should be sitting on at least 200,000 users and getting some amazing feedback from them. Uh, what we're doing right, more importantly, what we are not doing right so that we can improve on those things and, and reach to the next uh, scale of the brand and the product that we want to build.
2: For me, it's uh, sitting on a huge stash of money. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, what I would really want to see in 2022 is scale, right? So I want a downtown to be a brand which has a huge recall uh, around people. I know it's uh, one year is a very short time for that. But if we are able to, you know, achieve something through word of mouth or through cracking that user behavior really well, probably that could be true.
1: Because we've we've seen the journey from zero to like one, right? Uh, now is what we're waiting essentially for is the journey from one to five, right? So when do we reach hundred k users or two hundred k user or one million user is something that we all are looking for. Uh, the journey before that we've seen in some sort and fashion in in the earlier companies that we worked in, uh, and that's what we are trying to look forward to.
0: And Jaideep, as you you know, do your daily or weekly calls with your parents today. And they they seeing you as a startup as a funded startup founder. What's the conversation like today? So
2: I mean, it it really changed from the point we uh, we got through the fast forward program, and it's it's like a pre and a post kind of a situation. Before that, it was more about are you okay? I mean, uh, are you? Uh, uh, I mean, are you doing well? Uh, are you facing any problems? Stuff like that. Uh, do you want to switch? please switch if you're not comfortable with what you're doing and stuff like that. And I remember my mom sending me a lot of uh, newspaper cuttings uh, on WhatsApp saying, uh, this bank exam is coming or this recruitment is happening, please apply. Or <laughs> like, I'm not going to even look at that. And now that has stopped. Now they are more like, how was your call today with uh, Anjali, for example, or Uh, How was, uh, how did that pitch go and stuff like that. So the conversation has suddenly flipped to a a more, uh, more happier and a more positive side of things for me, at least from, from my end. And they're more uh, satisfied or, or more at peace uh, right now. Yeah.
0: Abhishek, entrepreneurship has always come very naturally to you. And how much of a hard time does your dad give you at home now?
1: even when we were not funded, it was not a hard time, but the nature of discussion itself was hard, right? How do you uh, get your parents to understand that what you were trying to build was not something that is any more possible because of the conditions changing? And now you need extra time because see startups, it's time and money, right? Uh, And most importantly, a lot of founders have, such conversations with their families where they're essentially buying time. Give me one year, give me one and a half year and things will change. Uh, Essentially, that is something that I also did. And one and a half year out of which one year was in COVID lockdowns, right? So the discussions started getting more and more difficult, not because of the fact that they were giving me a difficult time, but I was sort of feeling it difficult for it to justify of how much time do I ask for more and more is it possible or sensible to get uh, or, or to take more time? Because uh, every day was one pitch and every day was one rejection, right? Uh, and 100 such days is kind of starts taking a toll on you. There was a conversation where I said, where my father asked me that, what is the deadline? You need to keep a deadline that by this day, if it does not happen, uh, you joining the family business. And I said that, the deadline is when either i go broke or i raise funds so that is what it is uh, i'm not quitting midway uh, because i never know what is just go, try, going to flip and that is exactly what happened uh, this just flipped when we were at the lowest point uh, in terms of our journey and
2: it was it was quite a dark time actually <laughs> like uh, though we were not discussing it between each of uh, each other because I know for sure that we did not want to bog each other down, right? So keeping up that morale and energy was quite important during that time. And so we were constantly building stuff, constantly trying out ideas and stuff like that. And uh, on the sides, we were seeing a lot of other startups getting funded and a lot of uh, celebrations happening around uh, seed rounds and uh, series A rounds and stuff like that. And we were constantly even questioning ourselves. Are we good enough? Or are we... Uh, can we do this even? Or is there th- anything that we are doing wrong? Or are we just delusional people who are like... thinking that we are the best? But the point was...
1: I think delusions are necessary uh, at some point I of I think
0: time. you kept doing the most important thing... which is continuously listening to your set of customers... even in the, the restaurant analytics app. Right, And I guess that's literally you know, what led you to downtown and I guess just the open-mindedness with which you were willing to listen to another problem statement from the same set of customers or your same audience.
1: I think by nature, both of us are such where no doesn't come naturally to us. Uh, If somebody asks us, can you do this? It is very hard for us to say no. And I think we need to learn that from now on. Yeah, where (laughs) Saying no would be a part of job description for us now. But uh, I think it just happened naturally. I think it was just, designed in a way where we would be ending up building this.
2: And uh, so, when it comes to designers, there is a very famous uh, quote which says, uh, less is more, right? There is another uh, spin to that which is called as yes is more. Right? And uh, I follow that kind of uh, approach that, okay, let's try it out. If it works, it works. If it it doesn't work, we'll do something about it. And that's what what we have been doing so far. And yeah, I mean, now that difficult conversations about having to say no is something that I'm also learning as time goes by.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with um, so much authenticity and, uh, you know, vulnerability. And I'm sure this will inspire. And I truly hope it will inspire many, many founders to start up. Thanks once again for coming on that one idea and taking us through how that one idea which was downtown came about thank you so much thank you, 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 much. And thank,
1: you. thank you for having us and if you're listening download downtown we are customers thanks yeah. that was a very cheap <laughs> plug but I had to pull it yeah
0: thank you for listening to that one idea a podcast series produced by WeWork Labs and Waterbridge Ventures. WeWork Labs is a global incubator platform that connects early-stage founders and SMBs in over 150 markets around the world and facilitates streamlined networking, upskilling and global connections for founders and their teams. The platform currently comprises 5,000-plus companies from 200-plus industries, hundreds of mentors and benefits amounting to $600,000 exclusive to the Labs community. If you'd like to learn more, head to wework.com forward slash labs. Waterbridge Ventures is a leading early-stage VC fund in India, partnering with mission-oriented founders, building game-changing businesses. The fund invests up to $3 million across C to Series A rounds and has backed category-leading companies like Magicpin, Unacademy, Doubtnut, Chalo, and Citymall, Mall, among many others. With over $250 million in assets under management, Waterbridge also runs India's leading seed investment program called Fast Forward. The Fast Forward program invests up to $1 million in seed stage companies with a seven-day turnaround time to all founder pitches. Head to waterbridge.vc to learn more.